You're listening to the 1231 Podcast. This brand new podcast is a ministry of Great Oaks Community Church. We release new episodes the first Wednesday of every month at 1231 p.m. You're here for episode two, and I'm so excited to have all of you listening this morning. Hey, as we get ready to talk about our next topic, I have two guests that I am excited to welcome here to the 1231 podcast. Let me go ahead and welcome our first guest, Chris Genders, Director of Ministry and Operations for the Heart of Illinois Youth for Christ with 20 plus years in church ministry and father of two. I did not put those in any particular order. Chris, go ahead and say hello to the crowd. Hello, crowd, and great to be here with you guys today. Chase, thanks. You've got a great face for podcasts. Oh, I appreciate that. So it's better on TV, but we'll get there later, maybe. Hey, our next guest, Travis Grant, counselor at Metamora High School, father of three and 10 plus years in coaching and athletic experience. So Travis, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Hey, I'm excited to have both of you here. I want to let everybody know that's listening. So we are going to have this podcast. This episode is going to be a two-part episode because I know we cannot talk about all this in 30 minutes. We are talking about teens, young adults, and loneliness, depression, anxiety, and suicide. I know we're not going to get all that in 30 minutes. So we're just going to focus today's episode on just teens and loneliness. And the reason we're featuring this January is because... We all were around the holidays, and you probably heard some statements like this. Why can't they just get out of their parents' basement? Why can't they just talk to people? That's probably grandma or sweet aunt, you know, Susie talking about the niece, nephew, or grandkids. And so we want to have this conversation this morning because as we talk about this, we see every study from Pew Research, Fuller Institute, they average it. They say 71 to 79% of Gen Z have feelings of loneliness more than once a week. And so let me ask this question first. Before we get into like the meat of everything, we have all worked with teens, young adults, most of our careers. We see culture shifts happen all the time, every three, five, six years. Is that what this is? So Chris, let me start with you. Is You've been in you know ministry, church ministry, especially the longest around this table. So is that what you see this being? Sure, thanks Chase. No, um, this is something unique that we're seeing the last, I would say, decade or so. Um, students have always struggled with loneliness and anxiety and depression at some point, right? Um, there's, it's always there. It's part of natural adolescent development. But there seems to be a shift that, um, that we're seeing. And I was listening to a podcast recently in preparation for this one. And the psychologist was talking about this uh, nationwide study that's been done of teenagers, really from the 70s for high school students and from the 90s for middle school students. And it tracks the same things every year. And so they see what is trends and what's not trends. And in 2000, and I believe it was 12, there was a very marked um, increase of isolation and loneliness and depression. Um, simultaneous to an increase of spending less time with friends. And from that point, it's only gotten worse. And I know we're going to talk about some of the reasons why and, and that, but there was something that happened, and we're going to talk about what that was in 2012 that set this, but it is not a trend. It has continued, and it needs to be addressed. Okay. So what I hear you saying is we actually need to be aware of this as adults, educators, leaders in the church, and know what's going on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. To ignore it is, I would call it um, negligence at best and sinful at worst. Okay. Uh, you know, 
uh, Travis, to you, same question. Do you see this as a trend in the school as being a counselor at a high school? Is this a trend to you or no? This is actually something that's deep and we have to address this. So I, I would, I want to start by saying, so I've been in the high school setting now. This is my fourth year as a, as a guidance counselor. Um, so I can't, you know, base my answer off of too much um, prior to that, other than me being a student myself. Um, but based on the research that I'm reading and seeing, and then what I'm experiencing day to day with our high school students, you know, I, I'm right there with what Chris is saying. There's definitely this trend. There's something that's changed just in the way that our students are interacting with each other. Um, and it's causing um, just increased levels of anxiety, um, stress, and loneliness for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so we're seeing that, you know, at least in the context that I'm here in at um, you know Midwestern High School. Okay. Um, so, what do we think is the driving sense of this loneliness feeling that students and young adults are having? Travis, I'll start with you. What do you think? What's your take? What's driving this? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing. You know, I, I think Chris maybe will get into this as well. Um, is I think it's several factors, but probably the biggest thing is a dependency on technology, in particular, um, you know, the mobile devices and what those bring with them, mainly social media and the ability to just check out of the physical world and the connections that we would form with other human beings, you know, that are right in front of us, um, because it's so easy to just dive into whatever's on that phone. Um, and so, you know, you have a combination of all those things taking place that students as they're developing aren't learning the skills to even just interact with other peers or other, you know, adults, human beings, wh whoever that may be, um, because the, the alternative is so easy. It's right mm -hmm. there in front of them. And I know, you know, I, I believe it was the iPhone came out in 2006, 2007. Yeah, 2007. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I even just looking at some of the data that was provided, I think through Barna, like 2007 is a, one of the major shifts they've seen in anxiety, depression, loneliness. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, that correlation is, is pretty significant. So when you say that, I hear you saying this is not going to be just a Gen Z problem. This is also going to be a Generation Alpha problem because that's who's following up Gen Z now. Yeah, I think this is, a, you know, anything just short of a crisis really because mm -hmm. you know how does it change there has to be you know a systematic change in how people consider parenting their children and what sort of access they give their children and how they're modeling that too um, for their children as they grow up because i think you know in the high school setting i would say i don't have a specific number but the majority vast majority of students have a, a smartphone you know like an mm -hmm. iphone or something like that but I, I would venture to guess that it's similar in the, the middle school and even going so far down to the elementary schools too. So Okay, so Chris, we heard from Travis that you know he's talking about the, the devices that we have in the hand. Is there any other thing that's pushing loneliness in this generation, you think, besides the devices? Sure, but I want to expand on that mm -hmm. a little bit. So um, 2007, the iPhone was uh, created, invented, put in the hands of people. 2012 is when it hit market saturation. That was the turning point. Mm -hmm. More, the majority of people had a smartphone in their hand now, including students. And we didn't have any sort of really experience with this as a as a globe um, as, as a global culture, understanding the impact it was going to have on adolescent development, things like that. 2014 was when the front-facing camera was invented. The word selfie soon <laughs> followed after that, right? And an entire generation of kids were handed a tool that nobody understood the impact of how to use. 
and really no guidance and supervision for that, no accountability to that. Technically, there's supposed to be accountability from the companies themselves, but easy to bypass it. Everybody knows it, right? The studies have all shown up until recently, um, all the studies have said, yes, of course, technology is part of the problem. It's it's one of the factors, right? And, and they list other things as well. Um, you know, increased uh, global awareness, which comes through social media, comes through technology. We're more aware of what's happening around the world, right? Um, of course, the global pandemic, we, we go through that. But everybody wants to look at the pandemic as the big turning point. It wasn't. This was already happening well before 2020. Um, I forget where I was going with this. But um, the studies, you know, until recently have all said, there's what, that's what it was. The studies have all been until recently said, yes, of course, technology is an issue, right? Studies now are saying it is the issue. Mm. It is the issue that is driving everything else, right? All of the the comparison game that's happening, all of the fear that's happening from now seeing, you know, what's happening around the world and, you know, tragedy, natural disasters, as well as war, conflict, all of this, you know, 2020, we saw this, you know, incredible mix of um, racism and, you know, uh, fear from, from the pandemic and then economic crisis as well. It was this weird mix of all of these things that happened mm -hmm. and, and students had a front row seat to that because of the technology. When I was a kid in the eighties, I was oblivious to all of that. You know, I, we got news on three channels. If that, and I lived in the country, we didn't have cable TV. But you had to actually get up and change the channel, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was the remote. <laughs> And, you know, so I didn't have that exposure that the kids have now. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this desensitization that happens from being so overwhelmed by it where you see something and you're like, oh, well, that's horrible. Slide your finger on and move on to the next one. Oh, hey, look, a cat video, right? Mm -hmm. So studies are also showing that compassion is decreasing because we don't know what to do with all of these things. And we're so overwhelmed by them because we're seeing them all the time <laughs> on our devices that it just overwhelms us. I appreciate what you're saying. And actually, I have a feeling this table might be smarter than even I thought it was because psychology today says the top three reasons behind this are overstimulation, social media, and dependency shift. Mm -hmm. um, and to explain what dependency shift is, no longer are you depending on another person or a family member to give you information. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so let's camp out. Uh, we, we love social media. Everybody loves talking about social media. So let's camp out there first and push it out of the way. So we can say there's pros and good things about social media. Oh, absolutely. However, too much good thing can be a bad thing. How do you see that being true with our teens and young adults today? Travis, let's start with you. You know, I think with, excuse me, with any of these, with these technological advances, these are you know the the tool itself is not necessarily inherently good or evil it's you know it's what you make of it um and so i even think of my own self you know i'm 35 i have a fully developed brain so they say um and yet i still struggle you know in this i i still you know use social media in ways that is definitely affecting me um so what i try to do is just be aware and cognizant of actually what i'm putting in my brain and then, you know, making a conscious choice to say, you know, it's been enough. Like this is, this is bringing some feelings that I don't need to be dealing with mm -hmm. each day. I don't know that your teenagers are equipped to do that um, as readily. Um, and I don't think it's being modeled necessarily by, by adults, by parents, um, teachers, whoever, um, because we're, it's either, it's convenient to go mm -hmm. to the phone for one, 
um, I don't always know that we're always so aware. Um, you know, the other thing too, I think there's because of there's so much focus in this area um, in the mental health disorders that we see in our teens. Um, there's a hyper focus to it, and so people are more inclined to just immediately say, "Hey, I've got this mental, you know, health disorder or issue." Mm-hmm. And I think that that's obviously true, but I also think sometimes we we overstep and we think like, you know, there are times when mm. you can just have a psychological crisis because you know, your best friend moved away, and so um, that's important. But there's, you know, I just say that to say, no, I, I want to, I want you to camp out there a little bit more, right? Because I I think what our culture is not allowing students to do is to feel right. pain, yeah. to feel heartache, to be disappointed and sad, right? And so we we jump on that either to avoid it. And we need those things mm-hmm. as, as adults for resiliency. We need those things, okay. right? But parents in their effort to protect children, which is normal and natural, they're going to do everything they can to keep their kid from mm-hmm. experiencing that. But as doing it, they're robbing their children of needed growth and development. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because every one of us around this table was a senior in high school at some point. Right. We dealt with the pressures of life in some way, some ways healthy, some ways not healthy. Sure. Um, so do we think that maybe we're not allowing our children to engage in those pressures as they should be? I yes. think absolutely. And that's, you know, as a high school counselor, this is something, these are conversations I have on a regular basis with students of, you know, addressing, appraising what we're feeling, you know, is this actually something that is really concerning or is this just an unfortunate, you know, experience mm-hmm. Um, and I want to tie this too. you know, we're talking about loneliness, but just the ability to, there's interesting loneliness and also just being alone. And I don't know that our students necessarily know how to distinguish the two, um, and how to be alone and be okay with being alone yeah. at times. So Chris, knowing you and knowing that you are the one that has the oldest kids around the table and you've actually probably helped shepherd them through those years, or is one of them currently going through those now? What do you do? What do I do? Mm-hmm. Not enough. Okay. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I, I have most of my friends that are younger than me with younger kids. And the two things I tell them uh, constantly that I wish I would have done better. I wish I would have given my kids chores more and held them accountable to it um, because we set really low expectations for my kids. Right. And then secondly, I wish we would have delayed technology longer and guarded it and guided it more than we did. Um, We fell to the praise of busyness and cultural expectations and pressures, what technology was, how it was used in teen culture, quick story. Ethan, um, when he was a freshman in high school, we said no, no, no to Snapchat. We couldn't monitor it, we didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And finally he came to us one day just broken and he's like, dad, I don't get invited to anything that my friends are doing because they're using Snapchat to communicate. You monster. I know, (laughs) I know. But I was like, no, surely, come on. Like, they're your friends. If they're your friend, and these were truly their friends. It wasn't like that questionable, like, oh, they're not real friends. No, these were his best friends. But they found a, a medium to communicate that was the preferred way. It wasn't texting, which is what he had. And so he wasn't getting invited. He wasn't aware of these things. And we acquiesced. We caved to that. Rather than challenging the friend group to go, hey, why don't we use a technology that can be monitored and guided, you know? And so we just acquiesced. We said, sure, go and get Snapchat. And it, it was one of those decisions. I'm like, ah, I wish I would have done differently. So even all of us around this table all fall in the millennial generation uh, or the, I'm next gen, the gen, or X. gen Z, Gen, <laughs> gen Z, X, or gen, gen X, X. Yeah. Gen X. Um, I get these things confused. I'm so a Gen Xer. With this, 
with all of our kids, we don't know what it's like to be 15 right. oh, and have no. Facebook or have Snapchat or TikTok or go through a pandemic and as a high school student. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if this is where you're going mm -hmm. with it, but I want to make sure we go there mm -hmm. because a lot of people today will say it's just like when we were kids. Yeah. It is not. It's not. Mm -hmm. It is not. If you have been saying this about the current generation, it's every generation goes through this. We all know what this is. No, no, no. No, this is completely different. You have never grown up in a world like this. You've never known a world that didn't have Wi-Fi, technology, interconnectedness, globalization, and now a global pandemic as well. Yeah. And I don't think we realize what it does to our psyche. Because, I mean, I remember being you know, 15, having to work on a project and it was dial up internet. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And if I had dial up now, I'd throw my computer through the wall. Chase, I was in college <laughs> when the internet was created. <laughs> so yeah, we don't want to age you on the podcast. So with that, what is some practical advice to parents with social media usage today? Because all these parents most likely haven't dealt with social media themselves when they were that age. So Travis, what about you first? Well, I want to jump on what Chris said. Um, we're kind of hijacking you, Chase. It's, evidently. A, yeah. no, it's to answer that question though. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I think it recognize that these dilemmas exist. So be aware mm -hmm. that your teenager is going through struggles that you probably never considered before. Um, I think there's a number of things though, that are worthwhile just mentioning, um, you know, listening to the podcast that we were talking about just in preparation for this. One of those things is just the phrase that was being used over and over again was to be a wall as a parent. So recognize that your teenager, much like my current toddlers, are going to have tantrums and meltdowns and things. Can you explain that, that where that came mm -hmm. from? Do you remember? The Holy Post podcast? No, no, yeah. no. But like, mm -hmm. why the wall? Because why yeah, she referenced that. I'm getting there. So she, okay. just because when, when those tantrums and meltdowns occur and your, your teenager becomes emotionally unstable, they're going to push back and they're going to make things personal. And so when they take that out on you as the parent, to be a wall means stand firm, allow that to happen and don't, you know, don't flee, don't give up on them. Um, because you know, when you, when you isolate from them, then you're just, you're making the problem worse. Okay. I want to expand on that though, because there was a part of that that I that really struck me. So, the person being interviewed was a swimmer, mm -hmm. and she talked about mm -hmm. in swimming, you know, you're you're running the length of the pool, mm -hmm. you get to the wall, you spin, you push your feet against the wall, and, and you kick off the wall, mm -hmm. right? So you push off the wall, you propel yourself mm -hmm. off the wall. She likened that to parenting. She said that's normal adolescent development. Yeah, our kids are going to push off of us. We're the wall. Our kids are going to push off the wall. We can't react. We just stay there and we're solid, right? What we have to do though is be available that when they start drowning what do we do when we're in the water and we start drowning we look for the wall we reach out to the wall to grab hold of because it's secure it's stable we know that we need to be that wall for our kids letting them struggle a little bit and always be available for them to reach out for rescue for our listening audience so if you want to catch up on all the context that you might have missed out on the, the podcast is being referenced is the holy post podcast which does an amazing job and they're talking about an episode called are the kids all right from october the 20th you can go back and listen to that on their podcast page and a shout out to them they do an amazing yeah. job at the holy post podcast so switching gears a little bit from social media the three of us around this table but we make our living of working with teens, young adults, and people in either the church context, school context. So let me ask this, as a society today, do we think that we're overstimulating our teens and young adults? And maybe that's what's driving this loneliness because they don't know how to handle all of the distraction stimulation they have. So I'll jump in. So I, I say yes. And I think, you know, again, in this culture that we are currently in, 
you know, you've got so many activities outside of even just a school day. Um, so you have all these pressures and that's coming from the school itself sports, um, band, um, those fine arts, all these things, right? And so these, these kids are constantly um, under this barrage of, you know, stay involved, try to get a very high GPA, you know, all this stuff, all the while having all these distractions on the phone and social media and things like that. Um, so when do you, when do you actually take a rest, when you take a break, you know, what are mm -hmm. you doing with that break? And so my, I go back to the phone then is that's where, you know, the break is probably in the phone, but then that's just, you know, creating this cyclical problem because mm -hmm. then you're getting trapped in all the things that are happening either in their, in their context with their friends um, because they're playing that comparison game or they're just seeing all the troubles of the world, you know, that are being blasted on that. So let me ask this. I'm going to ask it to Chris because Chris, you work a lot with parents. Um, maybe there's some boomers that are parents or, you know, Gen Xers or millennials. Are we not doing a good enough job modeling how to put fringe or margin in our lives and not being overstimulated? No, not at all. Not at all. We, we can't slow down. We can't, we, none of us are, I mean, we, we have sermons all the time about Sabbath and, you know, taking a day of rest every week. One of the 10 commandments, we're biblically commanded to do this. We're told it's good for us. And yet we as adults are horrible at modeling this, you know, for our kids. And we, I mean, there's so many things, that's a whole nother podcast conversation, mm -hmm. but no, I, I don't think we're, we're good at demonstrating this, right? Um, Travis kind of alluded to that earlier a couple of times, which I thought was really helpful and insightful for this podcast. Like we can't expect our kids to do something that we're not willing to do, right? And so if we expect our kids to put their phone in a charger on, in, on the counter at night before they go to bed, you know, we should model right. the same. Don't take right. it to bed with us, yeah. right? If we expect them to have limits on the amount of time they spend on social media, we should as well, right? right? To demonstrate that. Um, I want to jump in here too, just being yeah. intentional on that too, because you and I have talked, you know, in our conversations just about the things that we do on our phone. So for instance, I've got the YouVersion app. Mm -hmm. I'm reading my Bible. My kids don't know that that's what I'm doing, you know? So even either having that conversation and making it a public declaration i'm reading the bible at this moment or actually getting on my physical bible is probably even better yeah right i, I was struck by that a couple of years ago my kids come downstairs every morning i read the bible go through the bible in a year and i just i realized that like they don't know what i'm doing yeah. and so i started declaring it reading my bible well now i felt like i was prideful <laughs> and arrogant and and so yeah this next year actually travis this next year yeah. I'm, I'm committing to reading the yeah. bible not on my phone yeah but on a print but bible just because it, it if there's one thing that's that children and teenagers are very good at it's deciphering hypocrisy oh <laughs> you know they <laughs> the things that they're being told to do and the things that they see they're very good at finding the disconnect and so yeah if you're you know for all they know you're on snapchat or twitter or you know instagram yeah you know and you're actually doing something something good and righteous yeah. but um, in in student ministry world um we do a lot of or we try to do a lot of unplugged retreats and and experiences moments where we'll go for an evening without our phone with students or a weekend or even a week of camp every time we ever do it the students push back a little bit and there's this like ghost you know vibration in your pocket like oh i just got nope it's not real your phone you don't even have your phone right by the end of the retreat by the end of a week at summer camp the kids have every one of them says this was the best week i've ever had i was so stress-free i got to meet people experience things We've even had students that say, I don't want my phone back until I have to get off this bus 10 hours from now when I get back to Peoria. 
just keep my phone. I'm having too good of a time connecting with people. You know, you say that for, for students and young adults. We just did that as a staff, and that was even hard to do it as adults, yeah. as a staff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and that's where we can model that as, yeah. as parents as well. Mm -hmm. and, and I would love, I don't, I don't want to speak for the school, but I would love to see every classroom be a cell phone-free classroom. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's teachers mm -hmm. that have a cell phone pocket on the door, and some are really good. I substitute yeah. teach a lot, so I'm in yeah. the school a lot. Some teachers are really good about making sure that phones go in the pocket as soon as class starts. You get it when class is others. Others don't do it at all, yeah. right? I, just, I wish it would just be mandatory. I wish it would be mandatory. I think it would solve a lot of our yeah. problems. I mean, it's, it's a challenge for sure. And your, your teachers are choosing which battles to fight. Oh, definitely. To I, yeah. I think where I would probably alter your, your desire, your wish would be, <laughs> I wish that the teacher, there, there's the spirit of that desire would be for the reasons we're talking about to see good call. Yes. And that's my, that's what I'm saying. Rather right. than, yes. Cause I think most teachers would just say yes, because it makes life easier for them. Which well, that's why parents say yes. Yeah. yeah. All it, right. It's convenience. Here we are at the 1231 podcast making school policy. I love this already. <laughs> All right. Real quick. I want to jump in at the school because so, so this is my first year at Metamora. And one of the things I'm taking over is this event called operation snowball, which has been happening at Metamora for, over 30 years. All right, for um, our audience, explain what Operation Snowball is. So it is a it's a two-night lock-in at the school. It's going to take place over Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, so January 12th, 13th, and then the students will leave um, Sunday afternoon. And one of the, the main things, my main driving force for this event as I take over it is to help this, to make it unplugged. We're not going to make them, they're going to have their phones accessible, but we're going to make sure that they're not with them at all times. So there will be, you know, short designated times where they can access those phones later on, but, um, but to help them just engage with their peers. And so to, you know, get away from the distraction of the phone, the outside world and put them in small groups, do lots of, um, challenges and team activities, and then have some time for small group discussions and things like that. That's, that's the snowball in itself is kind of driven for um, alcohol-free, tobacco-free, drug-free lifestyle. And I think just in recent history that it's, it's evolved into, you know, focusing on these mental health disorders and um, forces that are hurting. Yeah, and the impact of technology. Oh, exactly. All of these things, yeah. Well, I mean, and we all three around this table remember when, you know, schools all said that we are tobacco-free campus yeah. because it is a health issue for teens. Mm -hmm. Because it's an addictive substance. Mm -hmm. We don't make policy around this table, but we all could probably see that cell phones are an addictive substance. Yeah. And so we have to monitor that. I, I do want to make sure we have this one conversation. There's one thing that we've done, and I think, in our society that's explained away loneliness uh, with uh, the young adults and teenagers. And it's been, oh, well, this is only because of the pandemic. Yeah. And that I don't think that's true. We saw this happening prior to the pandemic. The pandemic just exasperated the problem. And honestly, it might be one of the few good things that came out of it is we became aware of how big this problem is becoming. What's your thoughts on that? Chris, I'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, I referenced that study earlier. It's been going on for 50 years in high school, 30 in middle school. The 2012 was that trend that we mm -hmm. saw of, of loneliness and, and depression start to you know drop and the time isolated from friends you know start to increase. Um, and so, yeah, this was, this was not the pandemic and pandemic was often referred to in a variety of, of conversations and topics as the great revealer. It, it brought to the surface things that were always under the current of our culture, but either we didn't want to admit it or we didn't recognize it. And the impact of isolation and loneliness was one of the great revealers, right? Where there, there are, you know, moments and people in case studies you could look at of students 
who, what am I trying to say? Coming, definitely the pandemic had an impact. You can't say it didn't, right? Many students have rebounded from that. Things are still different. Things have changed, right? But if this is my uneducated, but anecdotal and observational mm -hmm. uh, insight here, if you were struggling on the fringe of the school uh, of teen culture um, prior to the pandemic, you are having, most of those students are having a harder time coming back from the pandemic. Yeah. If you were part of a group or club, whether it be a sport, something in the school, um, a church youth group, if you were part of those before the pandemic, you have rebounded quicker and sometimes even thriving better as a result of the pandemic. Um, I know students whose friendships deepened significantly during the pandemic, even though they couldn't get together in person. But yeah, it, so it's, it's definitely had an impact, um, but not as much as I think uh, we yeah. give it credit for. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I think I'll add here, um, we talk about modeling things. And so I think the pandemic showed because we modeled to our teens right. and young adults, how do you handle a crisis like this? And I don't think we would give ourselves a high mark grade for how <laughs> we as adults and leaders handled the pandemic because they got a front row seat because of the devices in their hand or on their desks. Here's how everyone handled this. Yeah, We didn't agree. And we fought and we had no ounce of love for each other through this entire conversation. And that I think they saw. And I think that's turned some of the loneliness. That's what, what showed the loneliness is no one cares for each other. Sure. That's where this drive comes from is Travis mentioned earlier, the thought about being lonely or feeling alone. And they're mixing that up. Yeah. Chris? At the, and I agree with you. Mm -hmm. At the same time, this generation, from what I understand of the, the cycles of, of sociology, this generation is the one who's supposed to right the ship. They're the ones that are going to fix it. And they saw things that they didn't like. And I'm seeing some really and hearing about some really exciting, positive changes that students are making. Students themselves that are initiating, hey, this is a tech-free night with friends. Um, I heard about one the other day. And it's, it, we're going to laugh at this. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to laugh at this. Mm -hmm. This teenager discovered the, the life-changing experience of going for a walk without their AirPods in. And just listening to nature and cars and the sounds mm -hmm. around them. And there it's a trend now, evidently, going on a silent walk. It's just it's always been there, <laughs> right? But they're so ingrained to having noise all the time. Yeah. And so I'm seeing more and more of this generation. There was a teenager I heard about who she was tired of what the impact of all of this was happening on her. And so she started a club in her school that was a, a technology-free club. And it was, she realized like, I have to get other people. I can't just swim upstream on this. Nobody's going to join me uh, just by myself. And so she had to form a club and she's finding great support in that. Yeah. So let me uh, close with this. So if there's a parent, educator, church leader listening to this podcast, and they are saying, you know what? I know of some teens that they're talking about young adults and, you know, the ones that have been made bad jokes about at Christmas dinner, like, why can't they leave the house? Why won't they get off the computer? Why don't they get off their cell phone? What is some practical advice each of you have for maybe a parent or an educator or a coach that's struggling to help someone through this? So Travis, let me start with you on that. I think, I think the, there are two main points I'd like to, I guess, highlight. So, you know, first would be, I go back to that, be a wall, you know, for, Try your best to actually form a relationship with your teenage son or daughter. Um, you know, ask them questions. Try to actually pull them out of whatever world, whatever bubble, whatever sphere that they are currently in, and try to engage with them. You know, ask them questions about you know what's act actually going on in their life, and that may be difficult for some people because you know just of the history of how they were 
raise their children, you know, when they were younger. Um, but if as best you can, and that goes back to being intentional, you know, and then we talk about modeling as well. The other thing is I would say as best you can develop a community for your teenage children. I think this is crucial. And so I've got right now two children, three and five years old, and I'm already, you know, just hearing this research and just thinking forward about all this. I've had this idea of even just intentionally setting up a team of adults that I want to speak into my kids' lives because there will be a day when they are teenagers and I will be the dumbest person in the world. And I want I want people that I rely on, that I know will have active voices in my children's lives, just that I'm counting on them. And that doesn't mean I want them to say all the things that I'm saying. I just want them to be there, to check in with my kids, um, to ask what's going on so that if my kids do, you know, either physically or theoretically leave the house um, because they're dealing with stuff that they're, they know that there are other adults in this world that they can call on. Right. And I think that's important. I know at great Oaks, we're, we're trying to make that one of our big missions, the five to one mm -hmm. um, mission. And so I would just say it's, it's never too late to start that. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you feel like, Oh, I haven't done anything to do it. I'd say, okay, pray and start thinking of people. And then like my idea is to in have a public or a private invitation like hey i want you to be this person in my child's life and maybe even have like an annual dinner every year like hey here's where we're at this year um and the kids don't even have to know that necessarily but um the adults do yeah. that they have that place in the, in the kids lives i think that's really important chris sage wisdom from you yeah, I'm glad you talked about that. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate greatly what what our church is doing with that. Um, I practice that. I, I learned that early in my parenting, and so I intentionally sought out men to um, be in Ethan's life as a young boy, and women to be in in Morgan's life as a young young girl. Um, and those are individuals that they have continued to go to even now as adults. And so, yeah, it's never too late because um, even Ethan now he's 22, married. You know, he's never been married before. Um, I can offer thoughts and advice and input. I've been married for 28 years, but he's going to want to talk to other people right. about that, right? And there was a, a moment recently, not with marriage, but with cars, where he he knew exactly who to go to. It wasn't me. I'm not mechanical, but he knew exactly who to go to. And it was somebody that I chose for him years ago and went to that person like you, you're talking about, Travis. And I said, I want you to be a voice in my son's life. Invest in him, right? So all that to say, here's my, here's my sage wisdom. Parenting is hard. It, it's marriage and parenting are the two hardest jobs I've ever had in my life. I would much rather any other job is more easy is is easier than being a husband um, or being a wife or being a mother or being a father. It's it's just hard, and let's just admit that, right? And so, anything that we're saying is not meant to heap shame or guilt on you. We're in this with you. We're 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 we've been through this. We're going through this right now. We're trying to figure this out just as much as you guys are. You are not alone in this journey, and honestly, you're not unique in this journey. So many parents are in the same place, and I love that our church has places for moms to get together to talk about this, for men to get together and talk about you know their their spiritual growth and fatherhood and parenting and husbands and all that stuff. It's hard. It just is really, really hard. And so don't beat yourself up over this, right? Yeah. Um, take the steps necessary, learn, grow. Um, the one final thing I would say is, and, and this deserves so much more conversation than what we're going to be allowed to give it to you. We have to live, we, we have to lead ourselves first before we're, we can really lead our kids well, right? 
Um, there's a term that, uh, that uh, I think it was Brene Brown. Travis, I'm looking at you for a confirmation. Um, Non-anxious presence in the life of a student, right? The more we can be that wall, that non-anxious presence, that when a student is going through a hard time, we're stable, we're not reactive, you know, we're empathetic. Um, we challenge them. You know, my kids have heard me say harder things to them than I've said to anybody else, but it's spoken truth and love, right? Um, but it's it's trying to be non-anxious. Am I good at this always? No. My daughter would tell you that. My daughter and I have butted heads for 19 years, and it's it's still something that I'm growing in. Um, but do your best to do that. Can I say one thing real quick? Oh, if you want the last well, word, just, Travis, I'll let well, you have it. Know, Go for so, it. Yep. You know, this, this podcast, I'm, I'm being told, is... Is uh twelve thirty one. All right. I'm actually gonna cut you off because you're gonna steal my thunder. So <laughs> hold on, um, hold on. I have one sorry. You you invited talker <laughs> yes, today. Yes. So I have one thing that we didn't talk about when mm -hmm. it comes to the whole teen loneliness yeah. and um technology is hoping all this stuff. And it was something that was in, in one of those podcasts from the Holy Post that really struck me. Um lack of sleep. I know this is gonna sound ridiculous. We're actually hitting that in next month's episode. So Boom, we're gonna we're perfect. gonna pause that. We're perfect. actually gonna hit that in next month's episode. So for those of you who are hearing right now, so next month's episode, we're gonna really talk about mental wellness on this issue, which is gonna hit sleep patterns yeah, in next month's awesome. episode. So as I get ready to close, let me say this. Um, if you guys know and heard podcast episode number one or even the intro, the, this podcast is all about Mark 1231, which is the command of loving our neighbor. And guys, these teens, these young adults, they are our neighbor. So if you're a mom, an educator, a coach, a church leader listening to this, let's give some practical advice. Number one, cut yourself some slack first. And then secondly, just be present. You're a church leader saying, how, how do we fix this? First off, know that you're part of the solution. Just be there. Show some love. And I know that sounds super simple. But it's not. Chris said it. It's the hardest job, marriage and raising kids. I think Travis would echo that same sentiment. To do it well. Yeah. It's the hardest job to do well. So we want to close with just saying, hey, you're going to make it through. If you need extra help, find those resources near you. If you want to reach out to the podcast, you can email us, and I will help you find resources in your neighborhood or in your community that can just pour some love on you. Or if you need to talk to a professional, I will make sure we find that as well for you. Yet again, thank you. This is the 1231 Podcast, and I am so excited you join us for episode two. Stay tuned next month, February, for episode three as we unpack the mental wellness dealing with young adults and teens in this generation. So thank you for listening today. Mm -hmm.